Hello, this is Cece Kim. And this is Jim Bacho. And this is Movies About Music. It is, and we have a special guest yes. on this podcast. Yes. We're in Solal Holiday. We have our friends Gino and Monica here. So we thought we'd do a uh, special podcast with guest Gino Bran. Yay! Who's a friend of ours and a fellow musical mm-hmm. partner. And uh, he suggested this movie. You had suggested this a while back, right? Yeah, I did. This is, uh, I don't know, I, I think I when you were saying that you were going to do a podcast about movies about music, I thought, uh, I'd just seen this sort of recently, so yeah, no other inspiration oh, than that. okay, okay. So you had seen this recently mm-hmm. as opposed to when it came out. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Gino, you also have a podcast, Liquid Sound. Mm, yes. Um, plug, plug. Yes. And uh, you interview musicians, local musicians mostly. Mm-hmm. Interviewed you actually for his mm-hmm. first episode. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the music that you kind of do. I think that's important to mention before we talk about this film in particular. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I... What do I say? I would say that you, <laughs> the music that you write and sing and play isn't that far away from the music that was featured in the movie that we just saw. Mm, yeah, that's true. Right. I think I've always felt pretty connected mm-hmm. to that folk music mm-hmm, vein. Mm-hmm. And so I felt pretty connected to, to this movie in that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is that why you want, you suggested this? Like, is there, is there a particular reason? Uh, no, I just kind of thought it was entertaining. Okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> the movie we saw is Inside, Inside Lewin, Lewin Davis, Davis yeah. which is a Coen Brothers movie from, I think. 2014 Is or it 2014? Or yeah. Yeah. It's a Coen Brothers movie. And I didn't realize that I've already seen this movie. Right. Like we were watching it and it took me like an well the first scene is him in a club in new york and this takes place in what like 1960 something early 60s and you see him in a club and i'm like oh this looks familiar Mm-hmm. But then I kind of put that aside. And then it was only until the scene when he gets into the car to go to Chicago where I'm like, and that's like an hour into the film. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie. And that's when I realized that it's a Coen Brothers movie. Mm. So well, What made you realize that it was a Coen Brothers movie? You know what it is? It wasn't John Goodman. It was the blonde haired dude with the cigarette in the oh, car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because that's such a signature, like the guy from Fargo, mm-hmm. um, that character, you know, that dude mm-hmm. who also has to deal with a cop mm-hmm, in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then I was like, oh, okay, now, because the cinematography has this weird kind of, somewhere along the way that Coen Brothers filmmaking became like this sort of zombie gray looking mm-hmm. cinematography and I was yeah. like oh okay okay this is this period of the Coen brothers mm-hmm. yeah so then I realized that I was just gonna say I I in the research that I did I saw that this movie ha- was nominated for a couple of academy awards didn't it didn't win either it was cinematography uh. and then I think sound mixing was oh. the other one and there was this I just for whatever reason it struck me watching it this time there's this scene where he's at Adam Driver's house and Adam Driver says I live in a dump but you know Lewin Davis is homeless so he's just crashing on everybody's couch and there's this part where he's like like laying on the couch mm-hmm. and he's kind of testing it out mm-hmm. and the couch is making this sound and mm-hmm. you know that sound of like an uncomfortable couch yeah. and so I just was like that's that was nice that was brilliant yeah yeah, yeah actually the Coen brothers are really known for their um, sound design in their in their movies so the sound editor is Skip Leafsay and I actually I quoted him once in my sound book, actually, that mm. I wrote. He has a great quote about sound doesn't happen after you shoot the film. It happens when you're writing the script. Oh. So if you work sound into your screenplay, it becomes a richer film. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what is this movie about? I'll go first. If I had to say, like, if I had to summarize what I just saw in one sentence, it's about a disgruntled, disillusioned, miserable musician and his journey. And 
I don't think that he it's his journey towards the end of his career or the pursuit of his career, but I feel like he's at a certain point in his career where he's ready to just let it all go because it's just miserable and it's just not worth it. It involves a cat. He loses a cat, and I think the cat kind of symbolizes how out of control things have gotten for him, his life. Well, there's also the cat. Yeah, it's really kind of like a movie about the cat in a, in a strange yeah. way, but the cat kind of symbolizes the things that you have to hold on to, mm-hmm. or, or it kind of becomes a burden, right? Yeah. And you can't have the cat and have this kind of peripatetic existence mm-hmm. where he doesn't have a home. He sleeps on people's couches mm-hmm. and then he's kind of dicks to them. Mm-hmm. He keeps moving around. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like it's early 60s folk music scene mm-hmm. in in, uh, uh, in, in the, the village, village. Yeah, uh, in, New in New York. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I couldn't tell where in his career it was. Like, it could be the beginning, or like some midpoint, maybe. Well, you know, it's it's clear that he had a slightly more successful career when his uh, duet partner was recording with him, right, Mike. And it, it is revealed in the middle that Mike had committed suicide. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I guess, like, he's trying to make it solo. He's trying to have a solo career, and that is not working out for him in a lot of different ways. It's not just that he's not making enough money. I think it's just like an ensemble of things that are happening that create this situation for him. Yeah, and I think a lot of the movies, mm-hmm. it's kind of him going through the grieving mm-hmm. of his yes. dead partner. Right. And But again, you don't really realize that right. until like halfway through the movie, right. what had happened. You're just yeah. like, this guy's a miserable yeah. prick. So Yeah. What did we think about the character? Well, can I give you a little of the, yeah. some research that I Yes, please. <laughs> So apparently this is, it was, there was an album called Inside Dave Van Ronk and it's based on the folk singer named oh, Dave Van Ronk, but okay. Dave Van Ronk wasn't really anything like Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think the directors liked the music and so they mm-hmm. sort of wrote a, a mm-hmm. script and it was supposed to be based on early 60s Greenwich Village, New York, mm-hmm. right before Bob Dylan came and oh. made it a, a thing, like mm-hmm. a really commercially mm-hmm. viable thing, mm-hmm. I think. So there were a lot of acts. I think they alluded to them, like the the trio is sort of, I think they're supposed to be like Peter, Paul, and Mary. Mm, yeah, and then yeah, the four yeah. guys in sweaters, yeah, yeah. I think, are supposed yeah. to be the Clancy brothers. Okay, and got so it. they're sort of referencing, mm-hmm. in a way, people mm-hmm. around that time. So yeah, I guess, I don't, you know, I actually had seen this movie a couple of times. And so mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, I didn't, I didn't like it at all. Well, I like the music, but I was like, I don't really know mm-hmm. what this movie's about. Nothing... I mean, a lot of things happen, but there's mm-hmm. not really a like a typical kind of climax and conclusion and, and resolution. Right, like, right, you don't right, really right, learn right. anything. Yeah. There's no arc, <laughs> traditional arc, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, a hero's journey in a way, but he's mm-hmm. not very heroic. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the cat's the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the cat is maybe the hero. But yeah. I, I he's but don't we all know this kind of musician, right? You know, the one who's kind of can't really keep it together, and you know, this is all he knows how to do. He's just trying to survive yeah, um, and, yeah. in, into the next gig. Totally. But yeah, the Bob Dylan thing. So we see him at the end and we didn't see what happens in this movie is you kind of cycle, you cycle back to the beginning of the movie again. Mm-hmm. We see, I guess, I, I don't know, the Coen brothers constantly put these kind of motifs in their films of almost like metaphysical stuff going on. Um, you know, like the cat kind of symbolizes something. We're not sure what. But then this repetition aspect, I think mm-hmm. there it's almost a commentary on the on the idea of kind of the futility of doing this mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way until something breaks. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, we finally see Bob Dylan mm-hmm. playing on the stage. Mm-hmm. And then that maybe is, is the breaking of the cycle of mm-hmm. futility. I don't know. That's just one possible reading. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think we should probably explain what happened with the cat, like why the cat is, you know, a figure in the movie. Well, he was staying, he's crashing at people's houses and staying on their couches. And there's this Upper West Side nice couple who has a cat who lets him stay there from time to time. And they're very generous with him. They they were like the nicest people, mm-hmm. you know, to him. They seem to be like these college professor types, right? Like I, that's vibe that I got from them and they constantly they have a lot of guests over they have a beautiful apartment on the Upper West Side and they have a cat and he loses the cat one morning as he's hurrying outside first he takes the cat he locks himself out of the house the apartment with the cat outside so he takes the cat to his friend's house and his friend um, Justin Timberlake's character is living with um, Carrie Mulligan's character and it turns out that he has slept with Carrie Mulligan and she's pregnant and she doesn't know who the father of the baby is. So she's not going to keep it because it might be, uh, what's his name? Lewin Davis. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it might be Lewin's baby. So she doesn't want to keep this baby. So she wants to get an abortion. And then, you know, the cat, he eventually loses the cat. And then he like finds another cat on the street and it turns out it's not even, it wasn't the same cat. And, and you know, I think it like, all these things happen to show how he treats things and people. And he doesn't have any respect for the relationship of his friend. So he sleeps with his girlfriend or whatever. And then he he's not very grateful towards the couple that, you know, he, he's just kind of fucking up on all different kinds of levels. Mm-hmm. And all the while he's trying to make it, he's trying to make ends meet. I don't even know what he's trying to achieve, but he's just at this point, he's just trying to survive through playing music. Right. And completely unwilling to compromise yeah like he's, not, you know, he's not being flexible at all about right any of it. and then there's this scene where um justin timberlake hires him to play on this gig right this recording gig and they're singing you know a stupid song can you explain this that yeah. was the most bizarre song yeah. but i that was one of the moments where i was like Okay, I've seen this because I know this scene. It's really weird because it's almost like I saw like maybe four scenes mm-hmm. of the movie and then I for- had forgotten everything else. But that mm-hmm. was one of the scenes I remember. It's Adam Driver. I'm not sure w- w- what stage in his career, but it's Adam Driver. And it was weird as they were practicing the song in the studio. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. whoop. Yeah. And he's making these weird sounds. I'm like, what the, the hell? And um, it's this bizarre mm-hmm. song about the Kennedys or something. And mm-hmm. it's just weird. He's like, he just needs 200 bucks for the abortion. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm working with this other guy. Oh, well, then we're going to have to get his approval. And he's like, no, can you just, can I just get a check? And he's like, yeah, you're not going to get royalties. And you just, you could just feel like, oh, this is going to become a big hit. Right. This stupid yeah, song yeah, that yeah. he's forced to sing. And he's foregoing the royalties and all that. Yeah, the song's called Please, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah. And apparently it's a. it seems to be the lyrics are about mm-hmm. how he doesn't want to be shot into outer space, which mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. was a thing at the time. Maybe people were worried about going to space or mm-hmm. being recruited to be mm-hmm. astronauts. I'm not okay. really sure. But the rhyme scheme is insane. Mm-hmm. Like there's one part where in the second verse, they, I think he rhymes, he says, I got a red-blooded a red blooded wife with a healthy libido. Who's going to play catch in the backyard with our kid? Oh, please, Mr. Kenny. Oh, so my it's God. Like, it's like nuts. Like, this song is, if you if you sit and read the lyrics, it's, it's wild. Uh, yeah, pretty early in Adam Driver's career, I think. I don't, yeah. He, uh, he was on uh, Girls, this uh, oh, TV show. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he was, like, I think into, like, the third season by that point. Like, the third or fourth season. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty known 
So that was a cameo, I think. Okay. So, yeah, I was wondering about that. Mm -hmm. Another scene that stands out, that's just one scene that stands out. Another one that stands out, the one where I really said, okay, Mm -hmm. I remember this, is he's on this arduous journey to get to Chicago Mm -hmm. to meet this guy who's a, I guess, a record label owner. Mm -hmm. And he had asked his manager or his agent to get this guy the record to see Mm -hmm. if he can, you know, book him some shows and help his career. It's a nice looking club. Mm -hmm. And there's another guy who is like an army kid who's just a sweet wholesome kid mm. it seems to be like the one who's going to be the next one you mm-hmm. know to, to kind of make it and he hates this guy mm-hmm. of course he hates everything but the guy says okay play me what you got and he sits down and it's this incredibly lit scene with the sun coming through the door this big room with just the two of them and he sits right in front of him as he's playing and singing the song and he pours his heart into this song i think as an audience member, you're wondering, this guy's either going to be moved to tears or he's going to just dismiss him outright. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, you hadn't seen it before. What did you think was going to happen? Or did you even think about that? You know, I was like, just thinking, this is a great performance. I wonder yeah. who he's lip syncing to. Because it sounded like Paolo Nutini, but I knew it wasn't Paolo Nutini because mm-hmm. I know very much the texture of Paolo Nutini's voice. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's a great lip syncing job. Mm. And it turns out that he was singing and playing yeah. the actor. And yeah. I was like, and I hated Oscar Isaac because he also he just always looked to me as like an abusive boyfriend, mm-hmm. like somebody's abusive boyfriend or the guy that like goes on tinder and goes on like a bunch of first dates and he's like very emotionally vulnerable to all of the the girls but then he ghosts them afterwards he, he, he looks like a, a serial like fuck boy but like a very poetic one you know like, you know those mm. who the guys who kind of pretend that they're like all philosophical and like you know <laughs> but then they're actually just like kind of there to they're just womanizers. Wait a minute. No, not you. you? Okay. I'm not saying, but no, but this is like a trope. You know, this is an actual kind of like, this is a type of guy yeah. um, in New York, yeah. especially. Well, he, he plays it though. He sings it. All yeah. those, apparently all the performances are live and recorded. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. I was like, that. this is crazy. Yeah. This is just like a top, like a, yeah. I, I And I was like, this is a great singer. Mm-hmm. And this is a very convincing lip syncing performance. Yeah. And the song he sings is called Death of Queen Jane, which mm-hmm. I got really obsessed with after mm-hmm. I saw this movie. And, mm-hmm. and it's a really old song. It's from like the 16th century. So it's mm-hmm. a real folk song. You know, it's about, oh, okay. you know, one of Henry VIII's wives, Queen Jane, oh. and how she died in labor. And just this beautiful, beautiful gut-wrenching song. Beautiful. And he finishes the song and mm-hmm. F. Marie Abraham, who's playing the mm-hmm. record guy, he looks at him and he says... I don't see a lot of money here. And it's such an amazing line because I think anybody who's ever tried to do anything in music or the arts knows exactly yeah. that feeling. Yeah. It's not usually as in your face. Usually people don't tell you that right to your yeah, face, yeah. but he did. But he I just, appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would appreciate some of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's the, it's this really naked, yeah, vulnerable scene where he has to hear that. There's a lot of times when... His character, Lewin, says, okay. Mm-hmm. There's like just a lot of moments where he says, okay. Yeah. And that was one of them. And then he says something like, shave it down to a goatee and stay out of the sun. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, you know, a little no, darker No, he said complexion. like, you, you're not a front man. Well, that's so the other thing yeah, he says yeah. is you're not a front yeah. man. He, people are constantly reminding him of his friend who, mm-hmm. his former partner who mm-hmm. died. And he mm-hmm. does it too. He says, you know, you'd be better in a group. And he says, do you sing harmonies? And he goes, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. And then and then he's like, it's not that I, I can't. It's just, no, I used to be part of a duo. And then, you know, well, that may, the record producer says, well, that makes sense. And that's when he says, shave it down to a goatee. Yeah. Shave it down to a goatee and stay out of the sun. Yeah. There's Which a lot of like, just kind of low-key racism thing, yeah. against just, Oscar Isaac in this movie. It's just so wrong, that line. Yeah. Oh, should we talk about his on his way to Chicago? Yes. That whole yes. Uh, road trip. He's in a car with Johnny Five. Mm -hmm. There is a jazz musician in the back seat that is being transported to Chicago from New York (laughs) named Roland Turner, who's played by John Goodman. Uh You know, it's funny because I, you know, Jim, you'd sort of mentioned like we we feel like we've all met Lewin Davis before in some way or another. I think I've also feel like I've sort of been Lewin Davis. You know what I mean? In certain ways. And just uh, maybe I should compromise more and maybe I should Mm -hmm. try to be more commercial or whatever. But John Goodman is playing this very snobby jazz musician. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've all met that guy too. Oh, trust me. Yeah. (laughs) We play all 12 notes in jazz, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And then he was like the folk. Yeah. It's like, G. D C But then he hangs on D. He's like yeah. he's like G C D D D D uh, and we find out that John Goodman is is also a pretty bad heroin addict. Right. And, and so he's nodding off constantly yeah, in the car. Which is the the jazz musician cliche, I right. guess. Yeah, I guess like they were a lot of them were bulk of them were on heroin apparently. Mm. Don't know what that's all about. I don't know why it's just jazz musicians disproportionately on heroin, specifically heroin. Mm -hmm. But that was, you know, like maybe it was like within the community. I don't know. And then he leaves the cat that he had picked up on the street because he had taken the cat with him to this road trip to Chicago. But when the driver gets arrested and takes the key, the car keys with him, and there's John Goodman on the back seat, unconscious, he leaves the cat behind and he hitchhikes back to New York. That was a really sad scene because mm-hmm. he feels something. There's a moment where he like looks at the cat and he's mm-hmm. genuinely upset about it. And then he he does his performance, and then mm-hmm. he gets rejected, and then he goes back and he hitchhikes back. Mm-hmm. He's got this moment where he's he could go to Akron. He had found out that his previous girlfriend got pregnant, mm-hmm. and she had moved to Akron. Right, so right. here's one of those moments in the movie where, and this is you know we've talked about this in the podcast in the in the past of the you know the resolution of the character arc mm-hmm. that makes them a success at the end. And I've been saying, what happens when they don't make it? I guess this is the movie that it mm-hmm. is. He has a decision. He could have pulled off to Akron mm-hmm. and then saw the the girlfriend there with the two-year-old, his son. Mm-hmm. And then that's a very different movie. It's almost mm-hmm. like the Coen brothers are doing this intentionally to, to show you that the character has to make a decision mm-hmm. and he makes the wrong decision. I mean, in a way. I mean, I mean, he doesn't. For me, I see it as he doesn't make a decision. Mm-hmm. This is a series of non-decisions and just stagnation. Yeah, which is exactly what you don't want a character to do. I always tell my students mm-hmm. in, in class, force your character to make a decision. And here's a character who doesn't make a decision. But again, I think it's the Coen brothers really knowing mm-hmm. their craft. And they're kind of, it's kind of a meta thing on that yeah. whole idea. So what did we think about the music? I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the song, some of the performances. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was recorded live. Mm-hmm. T-Bone Burnett did the mm-hmm. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. he's he's always pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. We get to see a lot of Justin Timberlake and mm-hmm. get to hear his voice quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He's actually pretty decent in this role. You know, I as mean, an actor. Justin Timberlake is a great actor, mm-hmm. like in a in these sarcastic kind of roles. Mm-hmm. Like he he's really good at sarcastic. Making fun of himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
And in that scene where they're where they're about to record Please Mr. Kennedy yeah. and they're in Columbia Records mm-hmm. studio and they're about to record this really silly song. And there's a point where, you know, they're they're practicing the song mm-hmm. and and Oscar Isaac is like, Thanks for the gig, but like who wrote this shit? Mm-hmm. And Timberlake is like I did. And it's funny because once they start recording, you can uh-huh. see that Lewin Davis is putting like yeah. 100% right, into this right, performance, right. even though he, yeah. you know what I mean? He doesn't, yeah, yeah. maybe he doesn't connect with the song right, right. on in that way, but yeah. while it's happening, he is totally, yeah, he's totally into he's it. he's a total pro. Right, yeah. a total pro. Yeah. That's what musicians end up doing. Like 95% of the time, you're playing stupid songs. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. writing stupid songs. I mean, you did that. The last time you were here, <laughs> when we wrote that stupid song for a commercial oh. of a certain ice cream brand, but you know, that, yeah, that's that. That's kind of like the bulk of How their did that work. Go, right? By the way, um, it ended up airing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we heard it in the elevator of our apartment. Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. That and I thought that was a great scene because it kind of shows like. There's a level of sincerity that you have to have, even though the song is clearly really dumb, Mm -hmm. but everybody had to put a high level of sincerity into the recording of this stupid ass song. I also think like it shows his, his sincerity when he's regardless, like whatever he's doing, he's going to throw himself Mm -hmm. into the thing just because that's what, that's all he knows how to do. Yeah. That's literally all he knows how to do. He'll fuck up everything else though. Like his relationships. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That he can only do this one thing. I know. He has no social graces whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He's insulting. Mm -hmm. And Carrie Mulligan's character is kind of like, She's almost like the effect of him, you know, totally. she, yeah. she's obviously been through it with him and she's complete, like I've had it negativity the mm-hmm. whole time with him, mm-hmm. even though she gives a good performance, you can see there's still some care mm-hmm. early on in the, in the film. I, um, I was thinking, I saw a lot of Gino Bran in this character, Oh, not so? in those ways. Mm-hmm. Cause Gino Bran, Bran is an outstanding friend and citizen and yeah. influencer. Yeah. I mean, Gino Brand is like really popular. Everybody loves Gino Brand. He's 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 a man about town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Inside. But seriously, yeah. <laughs> Inside Gino Brand. Yeah. No, like G- the thing about Gino that one of the things I really like is as long as he has a guitar with him, he's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like he'll true. he'll always you know like if I go see him in Chiang Mai or you know, Riley Beach or something, he'll have a guitar with him. Mm. And every time I go, you know, kind of many times hanging out, mm-hmm. he'll have a guitar with him. Yeah. And, you know, you go on a trip to mm-hmm. the mountains or something, he's got a guitar with him. Mm-hmm. And early on in the movie, Lewin Davis was the same thing. He just had a guitar with him and he always had it kind of carrying it around mm-hmm. and, you know, playing it. And I don't know. I just noticed that. Well, that I, I noticed that there is sort of like um, when certain musicians, they play enough it it just sort of, they the bot like there's a physical thing that happens you become kind of one with the guitar with the in- instrument and i noticed this with certain players it's not necessarily it's not a value judgment i'm not saying that you should become one with your instrument or whatever but there are just certain people who really embody that and a lot of guitar because the guitar playing is just so physical it's like you kind of wrap your body around it Mm. right like your arms around this instrument and so i see that in certain guitar players and you're probably like gino is probably one of those people he embodies that unification (laughs) with the the instrument definitely where i feel most comfortable yeah yeah and and, and it shows yeah Yeah. you know you'd asked about the music and i was just thinking Mm -hmm. about how the thing with folk music i think for 
it's it's a, it, they are stories that are passed down. They are songs yeah. that are passed down. And for such a long time, that's what music was before mm-hmm. recorded music mm-hmm. and stuff. And so you can tell that there, there's something very important to Lewin about his connection with these songs. And mm-hmm. there's a song that he sings at the end to his father, who's in a, I think, a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And his father is not doing very well. But mm-hmm. he sings this song, I think it's called The the Shoals of Herring. Mm-hmm. It's this mm-hmm. old sailor, you know, another old folk song. And they reference it a couple of times in the movie. Like mm-hmm. his sister says, this is this record that you made when you were eight years old, mm-hmm. when you did The Shoals of mm-hmm. Herring. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually realize that until I saw it mm-hmm. just this, mm-hmm. this past time. And then he sings it for his dad. And it's mm-hmm. another beautiful performance mm-hmm. with just him and this one other person and it's like that's what these songs are about right. it's like he's making this connection with people through mm-hmm. these songs often coming up short with the reaction that he's expecting mm-hmm. but i don't know why i kind of fixated on this but i i noticed every time he finishes a song there's something about finishing a song mm-hmm. you know when you're that naked playing a guitar and singing mm-hmm. i'm kind of like with you i i'm not a big fan of oscar mm-hmm. isaac i think i got really there's certain actors i just get tired of and i had been seeing him in everything and when you know he was in the star wars movies it's like okay i've had enough of mm-hmm. this actor but watching this again i guess <laughs> there's something in his eyes you know his performance is excellent there's something in his excellent. eyes where yeah. he you know he finishes the song and then it's kind of like a you know he just lets it sit Mm -hmm. there's nothing else you can do Mm -hmm. but it's not like he doesn't look at the floor Mm -hmm. you know he doesn't there's just a way that he ends the song and then he just makes eye contact Mm -hmm. with somebody Mm -hmm. or he looks out to the crowd there's i don't know there's a very human kind of thing that that's when he's the most human i guess yeah yeah it's definitely like a melancholy kind of vibe in the whole movie too, right? It all takes place in oh, winter yeah, in New York. It's yeah. cold, you know, everybody's yeah, sort of miserable. Like, oh my God, fuck that snow. It's like the <laughs> kind of wet snow. <laughs> the Chicago just, slush. Yeah, so stressed out. Like, And there was a scene when he was at a coffee shop. He has nowhere to go. He just got to Chicago mm-hmm. and he's waiting for the, uh, the wet record producer to show up. And he's at a coffee shop and his shoes are kind of soaked and his socks are wet and he's trying to kind of dry his socks when he was in, and I was just like oh man I know what that feels like mm-hmm. and it's just like why are we doing this you know and there, there's a there's a there was a moment when I was just like why are you doing this why are we why are any of us doing this why did you, know? you go to Chicago this is so miserable yeah, yeah it's what was he expecting fucking, yeah why <laughs> yeah why are you homeless right. what is this what is the point of all this suffering, you know? And that was kind of like what I was thinking throughout the movie. Um, not in a judgmental way, but sort of like in a, you know, in a, like a universal, like, you know, why, why, what's the point of any of this mm-hmm. kind of way? Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's kind of all he knows, too. Yeah, you know? know, like he's not, it doesn't really seem like he's trying to be rich or famous or anything Yeah, like he's that. just trying to get by. He's just yeah. sort of trying to get by, but it's it's like he just really wants to do these, these songs mm-hmm. for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. There's also I I've mentioned the character of the um the military guy. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a Cohen brothers antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like he because he's the golden boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, again these looks that Lewin Davis gives to other people around him and he just looks at him like he motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But he's a gold like he's he's a military guy, he's doing mm-hmm. service to the country. Mm-hmm. The clubs love him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's about to get signed. He's about to get yeah. signed. And, and he's, he's he's just this su- sweet guy. Right. You know, at one point he says, oh, I've heard great things about you. And he said, if you heard it from her, there's no way you heard great things mm-hmm. about you. But he insists, no, she told me good things about you. But he's just this golden person that somehow becomes the antagonist. Because there's really no other antagonist in this film mm-hmm. except himself. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just a great bit. And he's sort of on this rocking chair eating cereal 
while mm-hmm. Lewin Davis wakes up on on the couch mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And he's like super, he, he has a purpose, like even with his military career, like he's like very purposeful and mindful of everything. And he's genuinely righteous. He's like the American golden boy, right? <laughs> yeah. And this is what, this is sort of, in a way, anti- antithetical to art. I mean, mm. he, the guy who's sort of the perfect person and who does everything right mm. is the one who's going to make it. And that's, re- yeah. that's really aggravating because it yeah. should be the one who suffers and who's sort of giving everything up and having a hard time. I, I don't agree with you there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I know that that's the genu- general sort of, you know, idea. I mean, in the, the sense artist. that this is, like we said, this is the only thing that this guy can do. Yeah. The other guy is going to go into the military. He could do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll have money after he gets out. Yeah. He could go into college, you know, yeah. on a GI Bill and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't work that way. What do you mean? Like capitalism doesn't work that way. Also, I think art doesn't work that way. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah. That it's going to reward this guy. Mm-hmm who really is not digging into the trenches of life, mm-hmm. you know, which is, we should, that's what we should reward. Instead, we're going to kind of reward the do-gooder. I don't know. I, I don't think it's about rewards. That's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. It seems to be yeah. about the music industry or right. being an artist and, yeah. and that, you know, you always bump up against mm-hmm. that. Well, because he's going to, he's going to get the contract. Mm-hmm. He's going to have the yeah. successful music career. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. For me, I, and this is, I don't think that this is a very popular point of view. Your artistry as a musician is not parallel parallel with your suffering and your misery and, you know, just how grumpy you are, period. And I think and then then there was um there was a point where the record producer tells Lewin Davis that the the military guy is he connects with people. Mm-hmm. There's a purity in his singing and all that and i i heard it when i when he was singing and when he was playing like i you know i was like i get it people are going to be drawn to what they feel like you know what they're going to be touched by in lewin davis's performances there was something missing like even i it wasn't something that like deeply moved me like his performances were like he was great but there was something missing i mean it was beautiful but then like i could totally see that there was something missing and there was a lack of purity and like a lack of sort like a grumpiness to his music. Really? Yeah. Oh, I had the complete different yeah. impression. I, I did though. I, I, mean, I, I thought he yeah. was absolutely 100% pure mm. and that he was connecting. And that mm. was the whole thing is he's absolutely connecting. Right. What I mean in comparing them is that obviously the military guy mm-hmm. is going to make it. Right. And this is the way it works in the industry. Mm-hmm. So he's going to continue repeating the cycle mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. probably living in, mm-hmm. you know, on people's couches, mm-hmm. even though he's this 100% pure folk singer. Mm-hmm. That's basically, I don't know, Gino, do you have a yeah, perspective do you have a on, this? on this? As far as connecting with people, yeah, I, I think I, I felt Oscar Isaacs' performances for the most part. So the, the military guy is named Troy Nelson in the mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know the actor who's playing him. It seems like the different characters that Lewin mm-hmm. meets throughout this movie are mm-hmm. like different representations mm-hmm. of just the show totally. business at yeah. large. Yeah, music yeah. industry at large you know he meets the troy who represents something mm-hmm. he meets john goodman's character mm-hmm. who represents something mm-hmm. f marie abraham totally. yeah represents something i think you know one thing that kind of struck me about this is that it doesn't really feel like there's any climax to this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like maybe when he's playing for f marie uh, f marie abraham's character mm-hmm. when he's doing the song in mm-hmm. chicago maybe that's a climax but that's 
like maybe two thirds of the way mm-hmm. through the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, that was one thing that, that struck me yeah. upon this watching. For me, I, I thought that maybe, and maybe it was unintentional or maybe it's just me projecting, but there is a thing that if you're too miserable, if you've been doing this for too long, and if there is an aspect of just his eyes are just dead, you know, he's just a jaded person, you know? Um, in general, like the way he goes about his life is he's miserable. And there's a lot of like indifference and dismissiveness in his relationships and how he deals with the world. There is something that is lost along the way when you play music. Inevitably, you lose something. And when you play and when your performances, it's because it's all about energy. Your performances reflect that. And that I did see a reflection of that in his performances. I don't think that this character started out that way. There's something off about his energy in his performances. And I think it's a reflection of his misery in in his life. Yeah. I don't know how intentional it is, mm-hmm. like to, to what you're saying, mm-hmm. but they do reference that his partner who had just mm-hmm. apparently recently mm-hmm. killed himself yeah. and he's going through this grief and maybe that's what's missing. Yeah. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. like this, the, the thing that sort of made him whole is working with this mm-hmm. other guy. There's one part where he's at this dinner party with his you know, academic friends mm-hmm. in the Upper West Side. Yeah. And he's, you know, they bring out the guitar. Yep. And like, can you play us a song, mm-hmm. Lewin? And mm-hmm. he is like, oh, no. You know, mm-hmm. Like, uh, come on, just do one song. Yeah. He's like, I'm not a I'm not a monkey. This isn't a parlor trick. And so he starts singing the song. And while he's singing it, the woman. The wife. The yeah, wife. Think, uh, yeah. yeah, the wife of the uh, academic starts singing the harmony. She mm-hmm. starts singing Mike's part. Yes. And he just freaks out on her yeah. and, you know, like storms out yeah, and, yeah. and has a whole break. Down. So it, it's almost like this whole movie is also him just dealing with that grief. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah. By the way, do you have, have you guys ever seen Sweet and Low Down? It's a Woody yeah. Allen movie yeah, yeah, with uh, yeah. Sean Penn. He's playing a guitar Yeah, player. he's supposed to be like a yeah, Django Reinhardt kind of, yeah. Right. And yeah. so he, this is another character yeah. where it's he's completely miserable. Right. And everybody, you know, like uh-huh. he's got no social uh-huh. skills. and But the one thing he can do is mm-hmm. play the guitar beautifully. Although I would say the difference when I saw that was that he Sean Penn isn't actually playing the guitar. Right, right. You know, and that really mm-hmm. bothers me as a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, which is why I really a lot in, of people, yeah. That's <laughs> why I enjoyed this movie because yeah. it's like, oh, they're actually playing mm-hmm. those instruments mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that lended a lot of credibility to the performance too mm-hmm. like but not a lot of people can play like django reinhardt right and you can't ask sean penn to do it but it, that would be an interesting one to watch actually mm-hmm. i i didn't think of that one yeah i don't know i i yeah we're sort of seeing it uh a little differently i'm projecting a lot yeah I'm, yeah well maybe i don't know but yeah. i i just i think that he's um everything is shit in his life yeah and this is the one moment when he can actually just give it Right. And I think that when you're trying to survive through music, through playing music, something gets lost when you play that music. That's what I'm saying. Do you mean that something gets lost when you're like, like you're talking about trying to survive. So, I mean, trying mm-hmm. to get paid, right? Mm-hmm. And so do you think what uh, is what you're saying that like once it becomes a job, mm-hmm. it takes away some of the Not joy? necessarily. Okay. Um, well, that, yes. Because I've definitely that, had yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> but I think if, if the survival angst is that high, and yeah. if the stress is that high, it will reflect in your performance. That's what I... And I don't know if it was intentional, but I've seen glimpses of that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, his performances were amazing. But I think that 
some of the scenes, like it was supposed to be, you know, and, and it's not like a criticism towards his performance. It's just an energy thing. And I think that is probably why he's not going anywhere. Well, yeah. And yeah. again, we're talking about the difference between, mm-hmm. in, in a way, between mm-hmm. art and commerce. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's not going <laughs> to, mm-hmm. he's not going to make it because he's too, he's all art. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's the whole, I think that's the whole point of his character. And the guy says, yeah, I don't see a lot of money here. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't because of the sadness you're talking about mm-hmm. the purity of that of that grief that's coming out to me it's almost like an exorcism it's it's a way of, of getting it out and, mm-hmm. and and it's his moment of purity like so we get these there's like what five performances in this film and that's when he's at his best you know and and we're kind of transfixed and mm-hmm. and listening to this great music and then the rest of the film is just oh my god just mishap after mishap and you know mm-hmm. Fuck up after fuck up. I think what I'm trying to say, because the character to me was so real. It's like so many people that I know personally. Mm. And if I were his friend or his girlfriend, I would say walk away from this for a little bit and then come back to it. Because I don't think that his journey as a musician, as a singer is over. I just don't think it's the end for him. And I think that there's more that's in there. I don't know. It's just and it's not even about making it. It's not even about money. I think just performance-wise, just you know, his art. I'm just talking about his art. He's stuck in a in a little rut in his life and also artistically. Yeah. And um, I think that sometimes you just need to let go of the art a little bit. If you're being too stubborn about one thing, then it kind of holds you back, I think. Yeah. And it, it seems yeah. like he actually tries to do that. Yeah, at, yeah. Sort of towards the end of the movie, mm-hmm. he's going to go back into the mm-hmm. Merchant Marines. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is what he needs to do because the music thing's not really working out for him. Mm-hmm. But he can't even do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's yeah. running up and up because he's too <laughs> broke to pay yeah. the dues and he's too yeah. broke to get his permit and all this stuff. Yeah. The, the different performances that he does in the movie, like he does the thing, the, the Chicago performance for F. Marie Abraham, and he's like, can you imagine going to, it's like your big break or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is the the guy that you've been coming to see. Maybe this guy's going to make your career. And then you sing this very sad 500-year-old song mm-hmm. about a woman who dies yeah. giving birth. You know, like what a choice. And and then later, at the towards the end of the movie too, he plays the song that he was playing at that dinner previously where the woman was singing Mike's part. And mm-hmm. you can see he's really like, really giving it all in this yeah, performance. Yeah. And that really feels kind of cathartic, uh-huh. yeah, you know, yeah. like he's really getting that Definitely. grief out mm-hmm. in that performance by singing that song. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the climax of the movie. Yeah, I thought that's how what it yeah. felt like to okay. me. Yeah. And then Bob Dylan shows up. Yeah. <laughs> that's the end of their fun little scene. Yeah. Wasn't it kind of nice to see like a music scene too? Like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. what cafes were like. And people used to just smoke cigarettes and mm-hmm. sing songs to each other. Like, yeah. oh man, I miss that. Movies about music. Well, on that note, what do you think, Gino, about the current state of music in this time we're living in? And how do you think it's going to, do you get any feeling of how it's going to come back? I mean, I guess it's very different in different countries. We're in, we're in South Korea, you're in Busan, we're in Seoul, we go back and forth, you know, all the time. But in Korea, clubs still shut down at nine. There's, you can go out and do music, but it's highly restricted. There's just, the joy has not come back yet. I don't, I don't want you to be a Nostradamus, but where, where do you think things are at in terms of music performance right now? E- either in Korea or, you know, generally. 
That's a good question. Like, obviously, things are, are, are we going to remember how to do this when we all go back to it? I mean, it's been two years. Like, I think that there's a big hunger for it because in the Mm -hmm. few times that I have played during this pandemic, people have this great response and they're like, oh, I just miss this so much. I miss going out and getting to hear music. So that's definitely something that is just, it's always going to be there. I think people are always going to want to see people doing a thing, doing Mm -hmm. a, a musical performance. I don't think that's ever going away. Although I don't, you know, like nowadays streaming is like a big topic for lots of reasons. There's no money there. There's no money in in recording stuff and putting it out unless you are already famous or already signed or, you know, you're of a certain age or a certain look or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But for just the regular schmoes like me or, you know, the the independent artists, it it doesn't seem like there's much opportunity for that kind of career that existed at that time. And then the one way that that artists could actually make income which was playing live touring that's that doesn't even exist right now yeah so it really makes me wonder if there's going to be a big just a big hole after this like how are we going to recover from this Mm -hmm. this this wound of of taking that music and that opportunity away i don't know i'll i'll still be (laughs) playing my songs you know Mm -hmm. we'll see what do y'all think I don't know. I've, I've, I've tried to guess where things are going in the world in terms of things like this. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll bring the joy back. And, and because I really miss live music and I really miss, uh, it's my favorite thing in the world. I miss, I miss that, um, that sense of soaring and flying, you know, and, and doing that thing. So hopefully it comes back. I don't want to, um, I just thought of an idea, but um, I don't want to treat you like a performing monkey. But would you want to play and sing one of the songs in the movie right now? Yeah? I thought of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's do a little performance. Space. Queen Jane lay in labor A full nine days or more Till her women grew so tired They couldn't no longer there They couldn't no longer Good women, good women, good women that ye be. Will you open my right side and find my baby and find my That's a thing that can never be We will call upon King Henry And hear what he may say And hear what he may say King Henry 